You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, hey, good morning. I'm Chris. I'm the lead pastor here at Crosspoint, and uh, I'm so glad that you're here with us this morning. Um, yesterday, I got to be a part of privilege of being a part of the Burger Bash, which was uh, awesome. And uh, I'd been asked a few weeks ago to be a judge, and so I was excited about that. And they said, how many do you think you can do? There's going to be three rounds. And I'm like, listen, I'm not a quitter. I can do all of it. And uh, I mean, I've obviously, I've had a burger before, and, uh, and I think I know how burgers should taste. And so anyway, so I, I committed to this, and I was in for the long haul. And uh, I, I, you should be honored. I ate 33 burgers yesterday. Now, I didn't eat 33 burgers, but I had a little tiny bite of uh, 33 burgers. Yeah, I, if I ate 33 burgers, I would not be up here today. That would have been a full-on commitment. But what I loved about the event was it was, one, it was for the community and to see the community out engaging and talking and thinking about and knowing that every single Monday... We have a team with the community as well, with churches, and we're out there on a Monday caring for our community. Amen. And to see the fruition of a, something that kind of bubbled up within us over six years ago of like, hey, how can we meet some of the practical needs that are within our community? And one of those practical needs is we have a community that needs to eat, that they are struggling with food, which may seem odd to you, but that's where we're at. And so there's a food scarcity. And so even our school districts now have kids get free breakfast and free lunch because we meet the standard for that to be a necessary thing. So kids can eat. And even kids get meals on Friday for the entire weekend so they can have something to eat because their mom and dad may or may not be home and and they need something to eat and their meals that they can make and prepare for themselves. And so we're at that place. And so how can we be Jesus to our neighbors? And one of the ways to do that is to literally do what Jesus, I think, would do. And that's to cook food for them and to say, come eat. It costs you nothing other than you just coming up and saying, I need it. And what I love about that is the communication and the relationships that I hear about and I get to see as far as this team that are there consistently and just the relationships that they're building and the way that they're able to pray for and to care for. And Jesus, I think, adores that. Because he's saying to us, this is what it means to be me, to be a follower of Jesus in the community. That he healed lepers, he made the blind see, and he met people where they were at. He fed the 5,000 so that people wouldn't hunger physically and confuse the fact that they were hungry physically. But more important, the deeper hunger was a hunger for him. That people sought and seek healing And they think, and yes, it's a part of it, is a physical healing, but more importantly, the deeper healing that needs to happen is a spiritual healing, a restoration, a reconciliation to bring brought to wholeness with their creator 
even if the physical healing never comes to fruition in the way that they would hope. And that you are a part of that. As a church, this is why I love being your pastor, is that there's this vision and this movement that you are a part of, of every day, especially every Monday, we're preparing hamburgers. And I think that they're probably the best burgers in town. Don't tell Waterburger or any of those other people. But they're the best burgers in town, and people get to be seen and cared for and loved over a practical gift. That's our heart. That's the vision of Crosspoint. It's to day by day see our neighbors, see their needs, and to care for them as we would want to be cared for. That's that's the simple vision of living out our faith in Christ. This past week, the last couple weeks, I've been preparing for this message. I'm going to share with you the vision of Crosspoint going forward for the next three years, which seems like this overarching task. But I want to break it down today to just kind of simple things that we can understand and grasp. But as I was thinking about this and preparing for it, there was this um, theologian by the name of Andy Warhol that some of you know. And he said this, nobody looks at anything, it's too hard. Nobody looks at anything, it's too hard. I thought about that and I was like, yeah, that's us. That's me. That we get into the busyness and the craziness of life and we kind of just go through life and we never really stop to reflect on what our life purpose is, what the significance is, what are, what, are we, what are we creating with our life, what's happening with our life. And, and unfortunately, too many times it's at the very end that we stop and pause and we look back and we ask the question, what is my legacy? What have I actually done? What have I actually accomplished? And as I recently passed a milestone, it makes you reflect a little bit. And as I was thinking about this idea of that we never look at anything, it's too hard because it's sometimes we don't like the reflection that we get back. That when we lift up the hood of our life and we see, ah, there's a little oil leak here. There's a little something loose over here. You can tell I'm not a mechanic, right? There's things that are not working and there's all this. And we have a tendency to go, ah, it's still going. And we shut the hood and go. But this morning, I want us to just for a moment, just take a look and to lift up the hood of your life and particularly your faith life. And to ask the question, Jesus, what are you doing in me? And then what do you want to do in me and through me with the days that I have left? There's polls that show us. You can look at different polls. And some polls show us that 95% of America and, and Europe are spiritual people, that they're seeking after something or someone in a spiritual capacity. Then other polls tell us that less than 40% are actually have faith, that think faith should be of value and of worth, that actually money is more important and more valuable than faith. And so you can grab all these different polls and all this different stuff and kind of get what you want. And, and we are a nation that's moved by fear. If you look at our media and our news and all that stuff, we, they sell fear. Why? Because we buy it and it, it seems to motivate us temporarily. And that's just who we are and who we've been about. Even in 1883, there was this thing called the Brooklyn Bridge. Any of y'all ever heard of that? The Brooklyn Bridge in 1883, there weren't even cars yet, but there was still foot traffic and stuff. And so in 1883, the bridge was finally completed, and there's, people were worried that they could actually travel across this bridge. They saw it. It was standing. They saw it being built over a long period of time. If you haven't read about it, it's really cool. 
It's a marvel. I mean, it's still standing and still doing. And so over this period of time, and so they were worried that this bridge would not hold them, which would then would have been mostly foot traffic. So this guy by the name of P.T. Barnum, which you may have heard about, was asked to bring some elephants. And he brought his elephants, and his elephants tromped across the Brooklyn Bridge, and everybody was like, hmm, I trust this a little bit, just a little bit. And so then people began to walk out onto the bridge, and as they began to walk out onto the bridge, a lady who had some high heels on, it was, a, it was a quite the occasion, so they were dressed to the, to the nines, as they would say. They were dressed up, and what happened was as she's walking across the bridge, her heel gets caught and she trips, and by pure coincidence, she falls down one of the exit ramps for pedestrians. So obviously, as any lady would or any person, as she begins to fall, she screams. So someone next to her hears the scream, looks and see her falling, and that person begins to scream. Well, then obviously, because two women are screaming and one is falling down, that means the bridge is collapsing. And so someone screams, the bridge is collapsing. Mass chaos. Because their worst fears are coming to fruition, they think. And so they then began to follow that lady down the ramp because that's in that place. That's the exit for them. And so thousand plus people are trying to cram down the still. And over 20 people gave their life because of that confusion, because of this thing called groupthink, because of this thing called fear. Even you've been a part of a groupthink Experiment This thing called Facebook. Maybe you've heard about it. A few years ago, they did a social experiment on us, and you didn't even know it. What they did was they changed the algorithm, and they changed the algorithm in such a way that negative things rose to the top of your posts and your stream. So you would see negative stories and negative things that were posted. Guess what happened? Your posts changed. You went from being a positive cheery poster of things to negative Groupthink. our fear was impacted who we thought we were was changed in that moment as a matter of fact social scientists have said about us as americans is we never know they never know what we're going to do but when we do it we all do it together (laughs) at the same time and in the same way and you see it with run on banks with facebook with brooklyn bridge with all the different stuff Well, this morning I want to challenge you with something. Is that I want you to begin to think about your own and personal faith with Christ. And understand that in sometimes fear motivates us. But as the scripture tells us that when you say yes to Jesus, perfect love has taken residence with inside of you. And that perfect love that has taken residence with inside of you is pushing out the fear. Those things that the world tells you to fear, you should no longer fear because those things can't harm or hurt you. Because one, you're in Christ, and your destination is secure in Him, and you don't have to fear what the world thinks or says or does, because in Him, you have life, and life to the full. So here this morning, I want you to think about our mission is pretty simple at Crosspoint. It's the mission of every church, which is to point people to Jesus. That's it. I mean, that's what we do. Even this morning, we're talking, and as I'm talking, my desire and my goal is is that when you walk out of here, 
is that you have been pointed to Jesus and you're beginning to apply a truth from Scripture that points you to Jesus and you begin to live that out in your life. That's it. That's simple. But our three-year vision for us as a church is a little different than maybe normal. Usually whenever someone says, hey, we're going to have a vision, we're going to cast for the next three years, it means we're thinking about bigger buildings, we're thinking about more money, we're thinking about all these different things that you can kind of see easily hanging in the fruit. And our vision is we gather together as team and leaders over the last few months and just kind of pray to God, what do you want? We're coming out of this thing called COVID, and, and where do you want us to go as a congregation? And so you begin to see some of that as we shift and shape our staff to not more programs and more ministries, but more care. And that we want to be more available to people to meet them for coffee, to do the different things that we can do. Because we know when the rubber meets the road, you need someone that, that is helping you and pointing you to Jesus. And so that's what we're doing. And so our goal, our vision for the next three years is to create disciples. To create disciples that become leaders that impact their home our community, and our world. And so that maybe in three years, maybe we have to build a new worship center because of the fruits of this. But maybe not. It's not really important. What important is, is that each one of us begin to own our faith and begin to lean into Jesus to point people to Jesus and to allow him to do the things that he needs to do in us so that we look and act and think and love more like him. So this morning we're going to break that down for just a little bit. What does that look like for us to be more like Jesus individually, but more importantly, as a community? I think one of the things we need to grasp is that we so many times we take scripture and we read into it our American ideals and the American lenses. Most of the time, if not all the time in scripture, when it says you, we read it as me. And that's part of it. But biblically, it's multi-layered. It's more than just me. It's my family. It's my community. And so this morning, I kind of lean into that just a little bit. If God's doing stuff in you, then it's going to impact and have this ripple effect in your faith and in your life and in your family and in your community. So here we are. Jesus has died. He's buried. He's been resurrected. And he's met with Jesus. We met with some of Jesus. Has met with some of his disciples. We talked about that last week with the road to Emmaus and some other sightings. Thousands of people saw Jesus after his resurrection. Okay, and so just prior to the story in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus had met with his disciples and had a conversation with them. And he said, "Hey, I've got something important to tell you, but it's just for you guys. I want you to make sure that you get this." And now there's only 11 because Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, gave his life. He took his life because of this. And so now here's these 11 guys, and they've set an appointment at Jesus's, one of Jesus' offices in the mountains, okay? And so here they are. They know that they're going to meet with him, and here's where we're at. So then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. Now, that's the response we would, we would gather, right? Because here's 11 guys who for three and a half years have worked and lived and ate with Jesus. They saw the miracles. They saw this stuff. They saw his death. They saw his burial. And most importantly, they've just seen his resurrection and have talked with him even since then. They'd even seen Thomas, who was nicknamed the doubter, that even been there and saw where Jesus said, Hey, Thomas, I heard you had doubts. Here's the scars. 
take a look, touch them. So they'd even had that encounter. So worship, you would think, would be the natural response that they would all have, that they've got it. It's finally clicked. But look at the last part of this verse. But some doubt it. They're human. They're still figuring it out. And listen, if these guys still doubt it, do you think it's okay if we doubt? For sure. Because... Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Doubt actually drives us deeper into our faith. It drives us to to understand and to even gain more evidence and more trust. And so here, some doubted, and I'm sure Jesus is like, I'm here. That's probably one of the reasons he showed up again. He knew their doubts. And some of them doubted, even in the midst of worship. So some of you, even today. We're talking about stuff, and some of you are like, yes. And some of you are like, man, i got some doubts. That's okay. That's an active part of worship and pursuit of Jesus. The next part says, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority and in heaven and on earth. In other words, because of his life, death, and resurrection, God the Father has given him authority to speak these words to us, to, to, to give us life. And so here's what he says to his disciples in light of that. So therefore, you 11 disciples, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In other words, if you've said yes to Jesus, then you are made an ambassador of his to go and to make disciples of other nations. In other words, that's our responsibility. It's not about gifting. It's your responsibility to birth new disciples in Christ all over the world, including across the street, including at your school, including at your work. And then also this idea of even baptizing them. And one of the things we do around here is Pastor Chris doesn't baptize all of the people. Why? Because me baptizing someone doesn't make it more effective. It doesn't lead someone to a deeper faith. It doesn't save them. Baptism is a symbol of what's happened outwardly, of what's happened internally. And so scripturally, the father is the head and lead of the household. And so if a father is a part of leading their child to faith, it's much more valuable and of worth a father or a mother or whoever to, to baptize that person. And so I imagine... Jesus would be okay with if you led someone to Christ talking over cows that you then go, hey, you know, the next step to symbolize what's happened on the inside is to to get baptized. Well, what's that mean? Well, let's go over here to this little pond and let's do it. That's that's effective and probably even more valuable and worthy because there's someone that you've been sharing life with to be able to do that. And in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then... He says, do life with them. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. This is where I think we get tripped up. You hear that word teach and commands, and it says all the commands, and you're like, I don't have a Bible degree. I couldn't answer all the questions in VBS or in Sunday school or group or whatever. And sometimes the pastor talks about things, and I have no idea what these things are. And so immediately you begin to freeze. And I'll show you in just a minute, all of you, if you've said yes to Jesus and been around church like two minutes, you have enough knowledge to teach these things. And here's the encouragement that Jesus gives us. And be sure of this. 
I am, the I am, the God that was at creation is here telling them, I command you to go and I am will be with you. When? Always. Not some of the time, not part of the time, not when you're good, not when you're all clean and you got it all together. Always. Even to the end of the age, he will be with us. So Jesus, the one who has the power and authority to commission us as ambassadors for himself, have done that. And so we're then to go and make disciples of all the nations. Everywhere we go, we're setting up our ambassadorhood and we're like, hey, we're here in the name of Jesus, living out our life and living out our faith. And that along the way, we get to share our life story of how our life was before Christ. We encountered him and he changed us and he's in the process of working and changing us. And that the reason that I am who I am is only because of Jesus. There's nothing better than him. And then you have to teach them the commands. And you're like, oh my goodness, what book do I need for that? Here it is. Even the religious elite of the day asked this question of Jesus. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? In other words, what's that one thing? If I have to teach them one thing, what do I need to teach them? Love the Lord your God. With all your heart. With all your soul. And with all your mind. In other words, jump in and be immersed. And that's what it means to love God. Well, how do, how do we know that you're doing it? The first and greatest commandment, how do we know that you're doing it? Because you're doing this. You're loving your neighbor well. You're loving your neighbor well. That's the commandment. To love God with all you've got. And that the way that that is shown out is by the way you love your neighbor. And I think this is where we struggle. It's because we don't know our neighbors. I think the worst invention ever is the garage door opener. Some of you maybe remember the days before garage door opener. You actually had to pull up to the garage and get out of the car and open it and make sure that you weren't too close. Because if you're too close... Then you're going to hit your car because in the old days, they even just be one little solid piece, right? They were heavy suckers. And then we got these garage door things. And now we pull up, we push the button. We don't even have to worry about how close we are most of the time. And it goes up and then you go into your castle and you never have to see anybody. But in the old days, you had to stand out there and you might see your neighbor by accident. So now we have the ability to not even see our neighbors and be totally okay with that. And Jesus tells us we're, the way that we're to love God fully is to love our neighbors. And the first way to even know our neighbors and to love our neighbors is to know them and to begin to see them. And so in your program notes, you'll actually see in the sheets there that there's some, some stuff. And on one side of it is there's a, a graphic of your house. Put your name there. And then there's boxes for your neighbors around you. I know some of you live in town. Some of you don't. You live out. And so it's going to take a little bit more work. To begin to ask that. Even after this first service, one of the guys came up and he said, hey, we recently moved here from Houston. We're a little bit outside. And he goes, I'll tell you what, my neighbors know me. They've pursued knowing me out in the country. One, because they want to know who's living next to me now. But also because it's just good country living. And I would say they're just being Jesus. 
They want to know because they may know that one day they may have one of your cows and they want to know who that cow goes to. Or your cow may be on their property and you, you know how it goes. And so for us to be followers of Jesus is how do we love our neighbors? And the first thing is to be able to see them. And so for the rest of this year, what we're going to do is we want to do as a team, as a staff, as a church, we want you to begin to think about how you can grow in your faith. And so we're going to do something called BLESS. And so it's B-L-E-S-S. It's a real easy acronym. And you've got, again, on your sheet, you see it there. And one of the things is, is, again, this is not necessarily about a program or whatever, but it's about us beginning to think about how can I actively follow Jesus in my faith. And so the B is begin with prayer. And one of our goals is, is that we're trying to encourage you to begin to pray more. And that you just take some time. And that doesn't mean just always getting on your face and praying or having this quiet moment. But it may mean driving to work. Instead of listening to a podcast or music or whatever, turn that off for a moment. Just have a conversation with God. Or maybe you like to go on a walk. Or maybe you like to be on the treadmill or whatever. But taking some time and some quiet time and just begin to pray. Begin to have a conversation with God. How you do that best. Begin to pray more often. And in the midst of that prayer time... Maybe stopping and just saying, God, I, I have my agenda when I come to you and I talk to you and I'm always telling you, I need this, I want this, will you handle this? And, and we kind of see him sometimes as this God of like, hey, if you get all things lined up, he can pull the trigger and you might win the lottery and everything in your life will go right. And we see God that way in our prayer life. But a part of a conversation, I understand, my wife tells me anyway, part of a conversation is not only talking but also listening. And so one of the things we want to encourage you to do in the midst of the busyness and craziness of life, sometimes we're going to and fro and we're talking to God and telling God what we want and what we need and how he can shape our life to our benefit. And all the time our dad's like, can you just stop for a moment and listen? And so my encouragement to us is to maybe on a daily practice of just beginning to say, hey, it's, it's, it's hard for us to stop and have silence. I get it. And so maybe you just start with five seconds, 10 seconds, 30 seconds, and say, God, I don't know what you want from me today, but I want to hear from you. God, I've given you my agenda. Can you give me yours? Because most of the time, his is better than mine anyway. And so to listen to that. Then the third thing we want you to begin to do and think about is consciousness. As you get to know your neighbors, is that you then invite them to eat with you. Why? Because as you invite people to eat, one, you're taking a personal invitation, you're inviting them, and maybe you clean your house, maybe you go somewhere, who knows how you do it. But you begin to take an interest in them. It's not necessarily about the meal, but it's an intentional process of just taking an interest in your neighbors and getting to know them better. And to know, one, how you can then serve them. Because as you get to know them, you begin over conversation. You know, they may not ever come to you and say, hey, I need X. But as you're sitting down over a cup of coffee or over dinner or lunch and you're talking and you get to know them, you may find out, hey, that there's some days that they could actually probably need some help. And that help could be that they need their kids dropped off in the morning. And so all of a sudden now you have a carpool. And so you carpool together and your kids on the mornings and they pick up the kids in the afternoon. And, and all of a sudden we kind of begin to look like a community. That's caring and loving for each other and meeting practical needs. And that that's us living out our faith. 
that in the midst of the busyness and the chaos and all the different schedules and trying to put everything together is that we stop and invite people into our life to want to get to know them, but also begin to ask the question, how can we serve and care for them? And that that's loving God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind because you're caring for your neighbors. That in other words, that my day is not all about me and my needs and my wants, but I begin to look outside of myself and how can I be generous with those that literally God has put in my backyard, in my front yard. And then maybe, just maybe, you might have an opportunity to share your story of faith and how Jesus has impacted your life in such a way that, one, you've come to this place that this life is not all about me and that I'm okay with having to clean my house and in some ways maybe even can be because I want to know you. Just to know you, to serve you, and to care for you, and to give you a gift that I've received in Christ. Because there's nothing better than Jesus. And listen, we live in a community that it's, it's hard because we know everybody. We think we do. And I think this may even be harder in a community that's smaller. Because sometimes we have to admit that we've walked by our neighbors for weeks or months or even years and didn't really know them. And so what does it look like to say, hey, we've been neighbors for a couple of years and you can blame it on COVID, whatever. You got a natural built-in excuse right now, right? I didn't know who you were. You were wearing a mask all this time. But it's been a couple of months or a couple of years and I didn't really know you. I I want to get to know you. Let's begin that. Again, it's our motive is to pursue Jesus and to love our neighbors in a way that Jesus would. It's a natural, easy way for us to live out our faith in our life. And so maybe that means you're baking cookies and taking it to all your neighbors and sending her cupcakes or whatever you do and taking it over there. I would prefer sushi. No burgers. As you begin to bless your neighbor. Because think about this. If every single one of us grow in our faith and have a more active prayer life, a more active listening life, a more active intentional building relationships with my neighbor life and serving each other life, how that will impact your life and grow you in your faith and the spiritual temperature that you will, you will grow. And then imagine if there's 200 or 300 or 400 or 500 of us here that are in that same pursuit of Jesus and the spiritual temperature of each one of us. As you know, you walk into a room. Each one of us, as we come in, the temperature of the room rises. The same is true of a congregation in pursuit of Jesus. As each one of us individually grow closer in pursuit of Jesus, the temperature of this congregation can't help but rise. It could get to the point of red hot and people would be like, what in the world is happening at Crosspoint? And you could easily say, you know what? It's one by one us saying Jesus is the most important thing and there's nothing better than him. And in pursuit of him, we're just loving our neighbors. Because that's what a great theologian does. That's the Bible. It's to love our neighbor in a way that we show that, hey, I love God by the way that I care for my neighbors. Let's pray together.
Father, your good news is extremely simple. But hard to live out. Father, we are, or I am, I don't know about anybody else, but I can be very selfish. I can want things in my own way, in the way I want it, in the time that I want it, in my convenience. And sometimes people get in the way of that. So, Father, I pray that for us, that you would just allow us to love you well. And that the way that we could love you well is by seeing our neighbors and intentionally reaching out and caring for them. And in the midst of that, seeing our own faith grow deeper as we just begin to pray and listen. Father, we're, we're just we're a, a culture and a community that needs to just stop and listen more. We're quick to shout out our opinions and our thoughts and our ideas and never even listen. So Father, may we begin practicing listening to you the one who surely has the best ideas and the best wisdom that we can follow. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.